You know, the title of my message today is, This Will Turn Out for My Deliverance. But before I really even start getting into uh, the message, I just want to talk about prayer for a minute. Uh, you know, I was talking to Jack Willis again this week. Um, those of you know that uh, Maureen just got diagnosed with a stage four cancer. And um, he, as a lot of you know, he was his first wife, uh, when they were pastoring in Washington, had uh, stage four cancer that she suffered with for four years and then she died. And how this triggered Jack that uh, his wife, his, you know, his second wife, has been diagnosed with cancer also. And I talked to him again this week, and uh, he said that uh, she, she is doing really well. She's already had her two chemos, and she is not feeling any effects. Like her, she was saying, I am not going to feel any effects from my treatments. The doctor said I was going to be sick. I'm not going to be sick. Well, she has not been sick. But he said it was interesting because when he was in the waiting room with her, she came over to him and, and she said to him, she said, you are revisiting your first wife. This, this being here in this appointment is, is triggering you, huh? And he goes, yeah. And he just wanted me to greet you and say thank you so much for praying. Uh, the doctor's even saying different things now. He's saying there's something about your wife. Her heart is affecting what's going to go on in her life. And he sees this faith that she has in her, and now he's not talking in like uh, months or weeks. He's really believing that something's going to happen. So there's a real faith in Maureen. She's really up, and uh, he's just covering us to keep praying for them. And uh, he, again, is apologizing. He's not going to be with us. This is going to be uh, the first 4th of July. We didn't have Jack uh, in 17 years, so. uh, but he, he is so loves us. He loves this church. But I just got something else this morning that I'm going to, you have to bear with me because I have to kind of go with what I felt like, like is so immediately for us. You know, in August, we'll have, we'll have been as a church here in Hollister for 20 years. And when we started the church, you know, I assume when anyone is sent out to start a church, they kind of want to know why are you sending us and what's going to be kind of our motivating factor. What are you saying? And Isaiah 61 has always been incredible to us. And so I want to read Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, the first part of um, 3. Isaiah wrote under the Spirit of the Lord, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the way of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And then we know when Jesus came along in Luke uh, 4, verse 9. No, I got my scriptures wrong here. 418, excuse me.
he got up in the temple that morning. And it was the moment in time, it was the crucial moment in time when he was going to step in to fulfill that Isaiah scripture. And it says that it was his custom to be in the temple and to read the scriptures to the people. And after he had read that passage in Isaiah 61, he sat down. And verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And I feel like we've seen different bits of that happen in the last 20 years. We've also seen places people have still been in some kind of a bondage or oppression. And I believe it's that thing that ignites us into even more of a fervent time of prayer. Where more than ever, we pray for those who are sick, We pray for those that we know are oppressed or or under different situations and circumstances that we would contend for their freedom, their deliverance, and their healing as a body of believers. And just like uh, Jack is experiencing all uh, different kinds of prayer from people uh, all over the world, that there's something that happens when God's people join together to pray. And I'm reminded about even how Peter, when he was in prison, as all those in the church there began to pray and set themselves in that place to pray, that Peter was released from prison. Prayer is the most powerful thing uh, to bring people, you know, into that place of uh, freedom. You know, another thing we were said to do in this church was we were to make disciples, And I see a lot of disciples in this room. I see a lot of people who have grown and gotten stronger and stronger in God. But we have a mandate on us to speak and preach the gospel in this community and to see people become not just casual, experiential Christians, but those who are so grounded in Christ, so full of the Spirit, and so understanding their gifts, talents, and abilities that they become very powerful in the kingdom of God to help other people come into the kingdom. And I think of some of the difficulties we go through in life and what they do to help us with other people and their growth in our spiritual walk. I was thinking when we first got married, the first you know, four years that Dory and I were married, it was the most difficult years of our life. And we wondered, why God is Christians and why that we were sold out to follow you? Why are we having such difficulty being married? You know, we were so different. We had such different ways of looking at everything. And it just took a lot of years for us to really kind of like have our edges broken off by each other. And it just seems like that with God. There, You have to go through a lot of things uh, to get to where uh, you feel like what God has prophesied. I think about Noah, uh, you know, working 120 years on a boat that there was no ever never been another boat. You know, there had never been any rain, and yet he's doing something so strange. And coming to Christ, it's so strange for us. Uh, we're, we're living this new life, and we're living in a world that's so contrary to what God says. What about Moses being promised that through him there's going to be heirs, and his, him and his wife were barren? And he's an old guy to start with at 75 when he gets that prophetic word that he's going to have kids. 
so many stories in the Bible about people going through so many different things, and yet it would seem impossible that what God had said to them would happen. <clears throat> but that's really the reality of life, and it brings to that place where, uh, where prayer is so important. All of us probably have experienced times when prayer is very powerful. You know, when the Holy Spirit moves on us and we just get motivated, we start praying and we see a few answers, like we're overwhelmed with how good God is and how the power of prayer works. Also, there are times where um, uh, we have purpose in prayer or we want to fulfill a purpose or we know God's put a purpose on our, our hearts so we earnestly pray about a situation to see it accomplished. But then have you ever gone through those times where you, you feel like you're just, your prayer is just kind of fading about a year ago, almost a year ago, Dory decided it was time to get a new cat. So she found, uh, fell in love with this little cat at PetSmart who was waiting to be adopted. And she went several days in a row and the cat was still there. She always expected the cat to be gone. Well, <clears throat> we ended up with that cat. That cat will uh, loves to chase water bottle tops. If you go into our house, there's always a water bottle top or two around that that cat is chasing. And you start kicking that around. She wants to play with you like a hockey puck. You kick it and she'll go after it. But after a few minutes, she'll roll over and lay on her side. It's kind of like prayer. You know, sometimes we roll over on our side. And I don't know whether we're disillusioned with not seeing the answers or just that human part of us. You know, we're, we get frustrated with ourselves. We get frustrated with God. We're a people of action. We're living in a time in a society today where there's action there's things that can be accomplished. There's things that get done. And if you can't get it done, you can go on YouTube or you can go somewhere else and someone else will show you how to do it or tell you how to get it done. But with God, he uses the things that we can't get done because he's doing such deep work in us. But just like that cat, give her a couple minutes over on her side and all of a sudden she's up. She wants to chase that cap again. And I tell you, there are seasons we go through, and I felt like I've just gone through this season where, man, I've been like my cat, laid over on my side thinking, like, God, I don't even know about this thing about prayer. I've prayed so many prayers. I want to see some answers. But there's that time where you get up again, and you begin to pray, and you begin to intercede. In Luke 11, 9, Jesus said, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be open." And I, I feel like when we close in prayer today, I feel like we're supposed to really get up and pray about some things. There's some people that we are praying for in our church that they would, they would just have some breakthroughs. I know we're praying for Paul Castellano. He's, he's had, for where he's at with dealing with Joseph's disease, he's, he's, he's doing miraculously, but he's not where we would like him to be. And there's people like that I wish we would just pray for today. I was thinking about Ryan. I was seeing Ryan Fields. He's not here because he deals with these headaches for over four, I think almost four years. And so he can't do much. And I saw him lifting all kinds of stuff yesterday and moving furniture and everything. And I'm thinking like, wow, if I 
have a headache and I'm doing any kind of exertion, I cannot stand it. After that, he had to go home because of the pain. And I, There's times I just think about Ryan and I pray and I say, God, what are you doing? I know his family, his mom and dad, his sisters and brothers are praying about what's going on. I want us to pray for Ryan today. And maybe you would be a proxy for him that you would stand up and say, hey, I know what a headache is like. And God, will you, will you hear our prayers that, that God would bring healing to him? There are people who are struggling with finances and they need a breakthrough. You know, that you would come forward and get prayer. That you would not just think, well, this is just what I'm going through and, and I'm going to have to deal with this. But no, even as there's times of needs and things financially that, you know, there's, there's prayer that goes up. Our church is in a time where it's been almost 20 years. We have never really struggled with finances. We are struggling. We need a breakthrough too. And our breakthrough is coming because God is our source. We all are going through different things. And I believe that God, through our prayers that have been continuing and ongoing and the prayers that you're praying, that God is hearing our prayers and I believe today, even how we pray is going to continue to break strongholds and bring that freedom to each one of us. Some of you are asking for things. I know some people in our congregation want to get married. I have been praying for people that that person would come into their life, that they could fulfill that desire of their heart, and they could manifest that uh, image of marriage that reflects the body of Christ. So whatever our needs are, just kind of be mindful. Is there an area you need a deliverance from? Is there an area you need a breakthrough in? Maybe you just need a breakthrough in prayer itself. Let's just believe that, that God is going to bring us those breakthroughs as we end the service today. Okay, now back to our message. This title again comes out of Philippians 1.19, which we'll call, get into a little bit later. But this is a, a powerful little statement. This will turn out for my deliverance. How many things we go through that we struggle with and we wonder, is this really going to turn out for something good for me? You know, I think of Jesus going to the cross. Is this really going to turn out for good for you, Jesus? Naked before the whole world, carrying the weight of everyone's sin. Is this really going to turn out good for you, Jesus? And we know it did. You know, again, in this world, we're looking for answers and breakthroughs and success and everything positive. I hear people say that on Facebook, you only hear the most positive things about people. They never really tell you what's going on because everybody's presenting a front and a way they want people to look at them. But the reality is things are not good. Things are not perfect. Look what happened in Morgan Hill the other day at a, at a simple dealership. But what is God doing? What is God doing in the most negative situation that you're dealing with right now? I believe God wants you to say what Paul said. This will turn out for my deliverance. This will turn out for my benefit. This will turn out for the benefit of people's salvation. This will give me an opportunity to share the good news. I was thinking about three years ago when I, uh, it, was, it was really July 1st, uh, next, this, this tomorrow, July 1st is when I started incredible back pain, which led, led to a, uh, MRI, which led to finding out I had this huge tumor in my left kidney. But I've had so many opportunities to share about that with people, about how God moved in that situation. 
Would I have chosen to have uh, cancer and have to deal with it? No. But those most hard situations that we go through, God wants to use them to give us a testimony and to show his glory in our lives. God sent Jeremiah to his people, but he said this to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.8. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. You know, there's oftentimes as Christians that we try to deliver ourselves. I always have a plan B. Again, there's so much knowledge nowadays. I try to take care of myself and take care of my needs. But true deliverance that lasts really only comes from God. We hate being powerless, but God loves when we're weak and powerless because then he has a chance to move. This is this next verse, Philippians 3.12, is, is kind of like the renewal of, of what we started talking about last week. Attaining what God has for me. Paul the Apostle said in Philippians 3.12, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. You know what press on means to me? I know sometimes we get an idea of pressing on, is that we're doing all this effort. I think pressing on can be just a simple understanding of what the Word of God says and what God promises. That He says that His mercies are new every morning. That means if you've blown it, you feel horrible about yourself, that you can believe that Jesus, sin, uh, Jesus took your sin, took your punishment, he took your unrighteousness and he bathed you in, with the blood of righteousness and made you a, a, a king, a priest, a son, a daughter, that you're now righteous and so that you can throw off the shame and the guilt of what you've done. That he said his mercies are new every day, that behold, all things are new, that even in this moment, pressing on can mean that it's a very, I have a very positive outlook in God for my life today. It doesn't matter my past. It doesn't matter what I try to go back or deflect to, that God is with me today, and I serve and live for, and a God of miracles and the miraculous lives in me. A God of the impossible is always working in my life, in your life, and that's what we have as we press on with God. He makes all things new. It says that our inward man, our spiritual man, is renewed day by day, moment by moment. Again, Philippians 3.12 continued. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. It's interesting. I felt like God laid this on my heart two weeks ago, and I, I gave you that message last week. And this week, Actually, um, Friday in Oswald Chambers, this is his main verse that he, that he uses in the devotional. That we have been laid hold of by God. I hope you were thinking about this verse this week, those of you who were here. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. So we talked a little bit last week about 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, where it talks about the gifts given to those of us who are born again through Jesus Christ and have a spirit alive, that we are now recipients 
of the Holy Spirit's power in us, which begins to cause there to be fruit and development in the different gifts that are mentioned in Corinthians that we can manifest and are used for the growth of the body of Christ and are living, uh, overcoming life for the Lord and living different lives and not just being concerned with the things in the world. But He has laid hold upon us to have salvation, that freedom from sin and that the promise of eternal life, that someday we're going to just leave these bodies and with all consciousness go into the heavenly realm and be with God and be with the place where we, can't even, we could not even describe it. Paul was not even allowed to describe it. He could not even describe it in terms, the things that he saw, mysteries and things that are waiting for us. We have a restored relationship with God the Father and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I hope that you will all have deeper and more uh, greater experiences in your personal relationship with God because God is your Father now, and He's the best Father. He's the good Father. He's a powerful Father, and He has all of the universe working for your benefit and your good so that when you take time to just wait with God for a few minutes, I know we sometimes we go through a list of prayers, we pray different things in the Scriptures, but there's times where if you can just sit there for a minute and let your heart just start receiving from God, that you'll find that God fills your heart. There's such a communion and fellowship with God that you are satisfied. You may leave that not necessarily hearing anything that, that you would think is important or beneficial, but in your spirit you will be filled up because you'll be in fellowship with God. That is the true part of, um, the best part of prayer is that fellowship between you and God. And as you're in fellowship with God, as you move through your day, you find that the Holy Spirit brings to your consciousness things that he's saying, things that he wants you to do, uh, places where you'll use your gifts. But today, part of that verse of that we're laid hold of something is the purpose of the gospel. That just as much as we receive the Lord and we experience his love and we return to fellowship with him and our sins are forgiven and we have the promise of heaven that he's put a message in us. He's put a burning message in us of the good news of Jesus Christ that he wants us to share with the people around us. When I hear of the tragedies that go on, often we hear later that a person who was killed was a Christian or a person uh, had some experience with the Lord recently. I wondered about those people who died in Morgan Hill the other day. I was wondering, who talked to them that morning? Who talked to them that week? Were they Christians? Did they have opportunity? I have to believe that God is working, and especially every person is about ready to pass on. God knows about it. And I believe that God uses us as Christians to talk to people. I believe that he puts on our hearts different burdens sometimes to talk to people about Jesus. And I want this congregation to awaken to a new thing and a new, a new attitude about being in places. Because I know when we're in places with people, sometimes we, we're so on a mission that we can't even recognize the people around us. We're, we're so busy about getting our tasks in. But I want you to be more aware that there are people more than ever before that are in our past that God wants you to open your mouth and speak to. We've been finding that even on vacation, we've been talking to people. We were just walking along one night in Vancouver, in Victoria, rather, a couple weeks ago, and uh, Dory went in uh, to uh, this church. They were singing. They are going to check it out, and I'm just sitting on this bench, and, 
And uh, this old man comes by. And he starts talking about church, but he wasn't a churchgoer. But the more we talked to him, he was from Holland. He grew up during the war. And um, his wife had only been dead two weeks. And he was grieving. And we started sharing to him about Jesus. He started crying. He couldn't handle the emotions. But we were giving him the gospel of truth. And he was so overwhelmed with emotions and truth. He said, I cannot talk anymore. And he started shuffling off down the street. Oh, would we have loved to let him in the sinner's prayer and everything? No, but I tell you strategically where God puts us, we can plant a seed. We can say something that's very possible for people to begin to be introduced to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what I feel like is in this part of this scripture, that Jesus laid hold on us because people need to hear about Jesus. You know, sometimes when we're out in public, I don't know about you, but I can remember being like this. I can remember at times being so burdened about something, so wrestling with God about something, so ticked off about something, that I had an opportunity to share the Lord, and I had to segue from my own self-centered, waiting for God, maybe even a little upset at God that He wasn't answering this thing as quick as I wanted, and find myself in this place of talking favorably about God, talking about how good God is, talking about how God heals and He answers prayer, and to move myself out of selfishness and be used by God and then come back and, and think like, okay, God, now take care of what I want. You know, we're, we're human. We're like that. But if we will take the opportunities, I tell you, people will, will be the recipients of the greatest thing, the forgiveness of their sin and a relationship with God. What more, you know, could they ask for? Also, you know, we always like stories we hear when, you know, people who have been separated maybe from loved ones or mom or dad, and there's this reconciliation. They do shows. They do reality shows on TV about it. God's purpose in Jesus Christ is about reconciling people home to the Father. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You know, sometimes we wonder, well, what's my spiritual gift? You know, sometimes we get hung up in our head. What is it I'm supposed to do? You're supposed to be a reconciler. Just start there. If you don't even know or have any clue about why God has called you, be a reconciler. Munzers, as you go on vacation, God might send some people your way. It won't inconvenience you, but in a moment, out of your heart, you will be sharing the gospel, and you think, wow, I'm going all the way to Washington and God's going to use me. I tell you, we've been experiencing that. Where we go, Dory had an appointment two times with a girl. Now she's back, connected with God. She's a backslidden Christian, a young woman. God cares about people. He'll use you to, to wrangle in some lost sheep or get someone saved. In Mark 16, 15, Jesus said to them all, to his followers, Go into all the world, and he says this to, today, go into the world and preach the gospel hillside to every creature. Jesus laid hold on that gospel for us, and he laid hold of us so that we might be people who share the good news of Jesus Christ. Our very salvation in knowing that we are not going to taste hell. If you get feel like a little bit laxed in your understanding of salvation, 
read Luke 16 about hell and what that man in hell was suffering and said, please send someone to my brothers so that they will not come to this place. I tell you, that was motivation. Paul in this Philippian letter, starting with Philippians 1, 3 through 6, he says this, I thank my God every time I remember you in all of my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You guys, when we were sent to start this church, Brian Phillips here, he was part of that. We came into a partnership here. Diane, she was, her family was one of the first families in our home. We entered a partnership, Diane. We entered a partnership, Brian, to see people in Hollister come to Jesus Christ. We're to be confident of this, that he who began a good work in us will carry it on to the completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Again, don't let your circumstances, your pains, and the things that frustrate you, don't let them hinder you. But as you find yourself pressing in to letting people know about Jesus, as you seek the Lord and you find those things in your life that you could give testimony to that are interesting for people to listen to you, that you will be doing a service to them and to God. And as you put God first and work for Him first, and as you see that the gospel is going out to people, I tell you, God has promised to take care of every one of your needs. You'll find yourself healthier, happier. Yeah, you might be under a little bit more attack because the devil doesn't like you to do his, God's work, but you'll overcome that really quick. You heard uh, Laura Gessick's testimony today. It's time for us to reach beyond ourselves and touch a dying world with the message that we have. In Philippians 7 and 8, he, Paul, the old apostle, continues, It is a right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul's prayer not only for the Philippian church, but also for us, for all those that God has allowed us to read the gospel and the the epistles and the letters in the New Testament. Paul is praying for us. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is the best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. In chains for the gospel, we know that Paul was actually now imprisoned in Rome Philippians 1, 12-14. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me was actually served to advance the gospel. Have you ever gone through something and wondered, like, what am I going through? But it actually has advanced the gospel. I think it would help all of us to kind of think some of the roads we've been on and some of the things that we've gone through and see how it's set up for us a testimony and a place for We have a platform to share with someone. As a result, Paul continues, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else 
that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. You know, sometimes the enemy intimidates us with fear. That if we see other Christians going through things, it wants to make us hold back. Or sometimes we think, I'm going through such negative things, I don't even want to witness or do anything. It almost gets us just thinking kind of off. But they were so encouraged that this man was suffering as an apostle in change because he believed in God and because he dared to open his mouth and come out of a, a religion that was no longer relevant and he began to preach the way that Jesus Christ was the only way, the truth and the life. And as he so did that, he found himself thrown in prison and beaten over and over again. So now he's in this prison in Rome and now it's starting to do something. It's starting to uh, turn and stir a faith in the believers that it doesn't matter what we go through. If Paul can go through that and stand strong as a believer, why not me? And it behooves all of us and encourages all of us to rise up where we're at and be a strong man or woman for God that God wants us to be. And because of my change... Most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. What do we have to lose? Even in our intolerant, tolerant society, in our politically correct society, why don't we open our mouth and say, Jesus is the only way? You know? Why don't we open our mouth and be sensitive and say, Holy Spirit, open the door for me. And if a door opens with a person, then step into that doorway and find an opportunity to share Jesus. Not saying we beat people over with the gospel, but we stand up not fearing opposition, not fearing different thought processes or uh, belief systems that are, um, what do they call it, politically correct. But we put ourselves and believe that God is in us and we can speak a word in a moment that God would speak to us to tell someone about Jesus. In the open uh, up of Philippians in the commentary from Logos, it says, the Apostle Paul tells the Philippians why he was rejoicing over his imprisonment. The things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. His words demand that we take a long and hard look at ourselves. What does the gospel mean to us? Does it mean enough that we are willing to suffer hardship in order for the gospel to prosper? Or do we put our own comfort and ease above the gospel? Again, difficulties come because we are not of the world. And the world is opposing to Jesus Christ and his followers. Difficulties could also distract us from why Jesus laid hold of us. What has happened to me has actually served to the advance of the gospel. We should dare to proclaim the gospel, even though we might be opposed. Even though people might reject you for sharing the gospel, don't take it personally. The apostles, the prophets have suffered even worse. 
Even the disciples were rejected from the message. Keep giving the message. Don't get discouraged when people don't want to hear or they laugh at you. There's going to be someone that comes your way that's going to be loving what you say to them because you bring them to Jesus. The gospel must be told in Philippians 1, 15-18. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. <clears throat> the latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. <laughs> Excuse me, what more trouble could Paul have gotten? <clears throat> Man, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. We all know that when someone accepts Christ, it says that the angels throw some kind of a party up there, and I don't know how long it goes on, because it seems like in heaven it's timeless. But for us, can you imagine what must be going on with the Lord and even heaven when he and they see us sharing Jesus with someone? Can you believe how excited? Because God honors people's will that they can make their own choice, I'm sure he's excited when we're sharing the gospel with someone and they see there's an opportunity for that person to respond to that gospel. In Philippians um, 18, last part of the verse and verse 19. Yes, I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Man, he so got the perspective of all that he had gone through. They say that he was chained. I don't know what the Roman shifts were, whether they were 8, 10, 12-hour shifts, but he was continually um, chained each, to each person during each shift, a guard. And he's like, man, what did they think this guy could do? Here he was just talking words about some religious thing. And he was that dangerous? Oh, it was the Spirit of God. Think of all those Roman uh, soldiers, all those Roman guards that we're going to see in heaven because Paul was chained to them. Talk about a captive audience. He was supposed to be in jail, and they were the captive audience. We hear stories of the great watchman need for the 20 years he was imprisoned in China for his faith that the same thing happened to people. In fact, one of the guards who had been uh, mistreating him ended up having to go to prison because he accepted Christ and he turned to Jesus. Next part of this commentary. In these verses, the apostle describes how his imprisonment had been used by God for the furtherance of the gospel. Finding himself constantly under guard, the Apostle Paul immediately realized that he had been given a marvelous opportunity for sharing the gospel. He began letting <clears throat> his guards and others know that he was in chains because of Christ. This would have undoubtedly caused the guards to seek an explanation, and Paul was ever eager and ready to share the full message of Christ. We may also assume that the way in which Paul conducted himself, had a profound effect on those guards. Having come to embrace the Christ whom Paul preached, 
the guards themselves began sharing their faith with those around them. The gospel succeeded, succeeded so admirably in this way that Paul was able to include these words in the conclusion of this letter. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. Philippians 4.22 <clears throat> That's pretty cool, huh? Our key verse for today, one that you've heard many times, Romans 8.28. Again, Paul wrote this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. <clears throat> I think of the different things uh, we're facing, different situations I know people are going through and struggles and things I want to see. I want to see more people delivered and free. Uh, I, w- I want to see more people healed. Yet, in difficulties yet, Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there is no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet Like the feet of a deer, he enables me to tread on the heights. What are your difficulties and challenges? Yet you are to rejoice in the Lord. You are to be joyful in the God of your salvation.